Welcome back to another episode of the Doghouse. It is day 10, finally reached day 10. Super wild card weekend was last weekend. Had national championship game yesterday. Huge, huge uh football going on. Uh Joe, how was your how was your weekend? So it was good. A lot of football. A lot of football. A lot of football, a lot of good entertaining football. Uh instead of it being just four games, uh, or yeah, just four games or six games, obviously, because the other they had one seed in the playoffs for the NFL. And that's where we'll start. We'll start with Colts versus Bills. Uh, an actually closer game. I told you it would be a closer game than uh, probably most thought. Uh, Bills came out, won 27-24. Phillip Rivers uh, didn't do terrible. 309 yards, two touchdowns. Um, QBR of 93. And his uh, obviously then Josh Allen throwing for 300 yards again, two touchdowns. Uh, one rushing touchdown, QBR 121. Did fumble, though, but recovered it. Uh, what do you think about it, Joe? Uh, it was obviously a very good game, very close game. A lot of calls going to certain teams' way, but it was very fun to watch. Yeah, I, 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 think, I thought this would be one of the most intriguing games of the uh, weekend. Uh, thank God it was – or it was fun that it was at the first one of the weekend, too. I mean – Stefan Diggs was just doing Stefan Diggs again. He usually gets like 130 yards. He had 128 this game and a touchdown and six receptions. He's he's played like a top five wide receiver. I know he made the all pro team this year. Uh Josh Allen did Josh Allen. Nothing can't really say anything wrong about that. But uh I I will say though, the Colts Colts could have won this game. They really could have. They had a lot of missed opportunities uh to come away with points and they just couldn't come execute. I'm sorry, I would just want to rewind there. Did you just say Josh Allen was good? Uh he played yeah, he played he played okay. I guess you can say he played okay. Alright, alright. Thank you. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, so I mean I mean he I, I, I gotta admit, Josh Allen did play like an MVP caliber player. Uh I didn't buy it beginning of the season. Clearly I didn't buy the Bills at all. Um but it was this moment which was getting into the playoffs. This is where good players become great, and he won the game. I mean, it was only a th- he won by three. So I mean, I'm not completely sold again. He beat the Colts. This is this week when he plays the Ravens. Uh, I think if he wins this game, then yeah, we can say he's legit. I think since he got his first playoff win under his belt, I think he will definitely succeed people's expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his first two years in the league were a complete disaster, but he changed his mechanics the way he threw the ball. Uh, their offense coordinator, Brian Dable, uh, really got through to him and helped him learn the game of football and what they want to do as a team, and especially Sean McDermott. I mean, I know you had him as your coach of the year. I had him as, like, second place behind Ron Rivera. I had no problem with that, uh, you giving him that award. I mean, they're a really well-coached team. I mean, Josh Allen could have been a bust by now and been off the Bills team, and the Bills could have been searching for another uh, franchise quarterback. But, no, they they tweaked. Josh Allen improved, and uh, they 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 got everything coming to them that they deserve. But now, hopefully, in the second round, uh, this is where you finally see the great teams. I mean, the Ravens and the Bills are probably the two hottest teams in the playoffs right now. I think – the Ravens' defense is a little bit worse than the Colts, but I still think that with a little bit of that experience that he got in his first game, I still think he will play MVP caliber. And I don't. I think that will be probably the closest game of the weekend. I mean, you can't – I think the Ravens' defense played exceptionally well. Derrick Henry, 18 rushes, only for 40 yards. He averaged 2.2 yards a carry. I mean, he they completely shut down – the Titans team. I mean, they only got 13 points the last two weeks. They dropped. They were averaging like 35 plus. I mean, for them to be able to completely neutralize him, I mean, you have to give credit to the Ravens defense. You have to, you can give credit to them for sure, but the with the way that their offense played, I don't think that they can beat the Bills. See, uh, here's here's. I know we're gonna get into the NFL or the playoff matchups a little bit later, but uh, I'm gonna flat out say it. I think the Ravens are gonna upset the Bills. I think the Bills played it way too closely last game. 
They probably thought they were going to roll them over. They probably think they're going to roll over the Ram or the Ravens, and they're looking ahead probably to the Chiefs. Um, I don't. I think the Ravens' defense is playing top five right now. I know on the stat sheet it's not going to say that, but they just look. I the eye test. They just look like a real deal team, and they come together. If Lamar Jackson can pass, uh, not I. I don't want to say good, but if he can, if he's able to pass during the game, I feel like the Ravens have a good chance to win. My only problem with them is he, he didn't throw a touchdown last game. The only thing that he does well is run, in my opinion. He threw one interception for 170 yards. That's not quarterback that should win a game in the playoffs. That is true. I mean, the Titans' defense is terrible. They only scored 20 points. But, I mean, if this is the style of way he plays and he's able to win, I don't really think you can knock him. I mean, 16 rushes, 136 yards, and a touchdown of – that big 48-yard run uh, in the third quarter. If, um, if I, That's why I said if he's able to throw, not good, or if he's just able to throw during the game, I feel like the Ravens win. It's, that's, it's like that easy, I feel like. I feel like they won't be able to stop the run completely. If they can neutralize the Mar, uh, that's the best chance for the Bills to come up with a win. I... I think the Bills are going to win with or without it because I don't think he'll be able to pass in the cold. Just I don't, I don't think it's going to be possible for him. I, I feel like people uh, think this Bills defense is better than it really is. Uh, they're I know I said last week they're not even in the top 15 defensively as a unit. So... It really comes down to if Lamar's able to throw down, throw the ball down the field and make a couple of big plays through the air and able to sustain his running ability and get uh, J.K. Dobbins on somewhat of a rhythm, I feel like it's you're, they're hard to beat when they're firing on those those just those cylinders, not even Lamar throwing good. Well, if you're playing defense against them, you don't worry about the pass game as much. If he proves himself in the first or second quarter that he can pass, then It'll definitely be a tough second half, but if they just can, just like completely go towards the run defense, I think they will stop him easily. Yeah, but you also have to say like Josh, Josh Allen throws three hundred yards and two touchdowns, and they only win by three. Against a, I mean, I think the Colts defense is pretty good. No. They they are they they are pretty good, but he only threw they yeah that's what I'm saying he throws 300 yards and that's still they still only win by three that's why the Bills defense they they're they're lacking in that department there. I I agree that their defense did not play well. I'm just saying their defense against them, the Ravens played the Titans who have an awful defense and only scored 20 points. It's true, it is true. Um, another thing, part of this Bills uh, Colts game is. Let's if if the Ravens are able to neutralize some of Josh Allen's in the Buffalo Bills throwing uh, offense, will they be able to run the ball? I I don't feel like the Bills have ever had during the season had to just force themselves to run the ball through the game to control the clock to make sure Lamar's not getting on the field. I mean, Zach Moss had seven rushes and. Devin Singletary had three rushes, and none of them had well, touchdowns, and none of them had over 30 yards. Moss is out for the season. I am oh, yes, sure. he was out for the season. I think uh, – They just picked someone up, and I don't remember who it was, and I'm trying to find it. I want to say it's Devontae Freeman. It is, I, I think. Devontae Freeman, yeah, they did pick him up. Okay, yeah, he has fresh legs, but is he going to be able to pick up the scheme right away? Are they going to trust him to run the football if – Devin Singletary's not getting it done, and Josh Allen's not being able to move the ball down the field. I, I don't know if he'll be able to play, if he can pass all the COVID tests and everything like that, or even if he can remember the plays, but it would help them out a lot with a run game. Right, and if Josh Allen did it, if he throws a pick, I mean, Colts might have won by 10 points. I mean, it was that close of a game. I mean, Josh Allen played probably as perfect as he probably could have. 300 yards, two touchdowns again, 26 to 35 on his – uh, passing and attempts, so it they're 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 on a thin line here. If Josh Allen doesn't throw for three hundred yards and throw at least two touchdowns and run for one, then it's I feel like it's easily beat. They're easily beatable team. Then they did this also with pretty much without a running back. He had their most yards doubled 
So Right, that's what I'm saying. So if they can't establish a running gain and a running back, um, their quarterbacks can compensate for only so much long. I mean, we saw that when the Russell Wilson game and the Seahawks that they Russell Wilson can only do so much. So if that becomes like a burden on Josh Allen, is he going to be able to come through and do basically everything for the offense? I don't know. I don't think against the Ravens defense. Uh, I don't know, but with Russell Wilson, I just don't think he could get anything going. I don't think it was the run game being bad. I don't think it was anything like that. I just think he was making bad decisions and no one was getting open against a good defense. Right. Let's move over to that game now. My Los Angeles Rams went into the Seattle and CenturyLink field against the number three seed Seattle Seahawks and came out with a surprisingly dub. Surprisingly, win thirty to twenty, dropping thirty points on the Seahawks defense, and that the Rams defense number one in the league, and I showed you why they are. Russell Wilson uh, couldn't get anything going really. Two touchdowns, one pick, only one hundred seventy-four yards. The I I just don't know if I could trust the Seahawks defense. I know I can trust Russell Wilson, but their defense just could not stop the run. That was the biggest point in the game. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson had a QBR of 72, though. I mean, I will say it's this isn't completely his fault. That offensive line is atrocious, and Seattle hasn't been able to fix it ever since they've uh, lost key guys t- from free agency. He was sacked five times. Uh, Aaron Donald got two of those sacks. Um, he, he just wasn't able to get into rhythm at all through the game. So you have to, but you have to give credit to the Rams defense for completely almost neutralizing Russell Wilson. They neutralized Russell Wilson. Chris Carson had a pretty good game though. 16 carries, 77 yards, but against that Rams defense, there's it's hard to get stuff going. Right. I mean, especially when the Rams defense is scoring points off of, of the defense and relieving pressure from our offense, which is our biggest struggle. I mean, we thought uh uh, John Wolford was starting, and he, he he started pretty well. He had a really good start, I'm not going to lie. He was driving the Rams down the field, and uh, Jamal Adams came out and hit him on the top of the head, and he was rushed to the hospital. So then Jared Goff comes into the game. plays He plays well enough to win the game. He, I mean, he still doesn't look like I can ever really trust him, though. He only threw 19 passes the entire game. Didn't need didn't need to do anything when you have Cam Akers uh, getting you 131 yards on the ground. Agreed. That that was their focal point that the Seahawks should have stopped. They know Jared Goff broke his thumb, right? Yeah, broke his thumb and had two screws. Uh, it was like a 10 days before that game, and he wasn't really even supposed to play. So you don't need to worry about that as much as the running game, and they just did not. Either they tried to focus on it and couldn't, or they just did not understand that. Right. I mean, even with a healthy Jared Goff, you want to put the pressure on him to make him win the game and him throw the football. Um, our, our our biggest strengths as a team is running, being able, is trying to being able to run the football in our defense, and those are the two factors that helped us win the game. Jared Goff did enough of what he needed to do to manage the game, to not uh, force turnovers and force balls and make it easier for Seattle to get back in the game. So, I mean, you have to get credit for him to do that. But if we if next week, obviously, or this week, we have to go up to your Green Bay Packers team, face the number one offense. If the Rams' defense can't stop them, if they're giving up 20 points and a half, can Jared Goff – go out and go in a shootout, and I don't think he can, especially in that Green Bay weather. I think that it won't be on Jared Goff for a shootout. I think it would be on Cam Akers for a shootout. Right, I mean, your defense, that's the bad only thing, is that your defense, your rushing defense has gotten better, but that is still the weakness of your team. So if we can run the football, I like our chances a lot. I think that if you just take time of possession off the clock for the offense – for the Packers, if they're not on the field, I think there's a very good shot that you guys can win the game. We have to do the same formula, basically. Not, I mean, not have we probably won't obviously have as good of a dominant performance on the defensive side of the ball. But if we can run the football and Jared Goff can make a couple throws to extend the drive and 
move, push the chains and help us get into the end zone and the defense can make a couple stops here and there. We can control the football and line of scrimmage. I, I mean, I, I like the chances, but going in that Green Bay weather, this Rams team plays terrible in the cold. Did you see the stat of Jared Goff has zero touchdowns and five interceptions in freezing weather? Right. I mean, I went to the, I went to the Bears game uh, a couple years ago. The team looked – they looked cold. I mean, they flat out looked cold. They played cold, and they just looked freezing. They just didn't know what to do, how to deal with the cold. So, I mean, thankfully, I hope Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown can carry this team and try to make it – make it so the cold's not as big of a factor because Jared Goff, he's going to look freezing cold. He's going to have two layers on. He's going to have long johns on. Um, he's going to be freezing his butt off. So I hopefully think, the running game can compensate for that. I think I saw the high in L.A. was 83, and then in Green Bay I think it was like 23 or 33 or something like that. Right, and you go to Seattle, I mean, it's it, – it's not warm, but it's not cold. It's probably like a 40, 40 degrees, maybe 30-something degrees and a little bit of rain. But when you go to Lambeau Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin, I mean, we think Chicago's cold. That's like next-level vortex type of cold that they endure every winter up there. I mean, if it snows, it's game over. That's it, what I was about to say. I hope it snows. You better. You might want to hope it snows. If it snows, it's game over. I feel like the biggest factor and obstacle for us is to get over the cold, and hopefully we can do that um, in the first half. So then we can just play, just play basically, just get it over, get over the cold in the first half, and try to go compete. I think that's going to be a good game as well. I don't think it'll be as close as the Bills uh, Ravens game, but it should be a good game. Right, like you said last week, oh yeah, Seahawks are blowing them out. This is the blowout. Oh, and I didn't think Jared Goff was playing. John Wolford just had off her a rare opportunity that he got hurt, so their starting quarterback comes in as the backup. But injured and he has two screws in his in his thumb. Jer- John Wolford looked better than Jared Goff in this game. The first he was running the football well too. Okay, but- I mean Granted that the Seahawks offense didn't play up to their potential. Could it was definitely the Rams defense's fault that he didn't do that. But what are the odds that on like the first or second drive of the game that the starting quarterback gets hurt and then a better quarterback comes in after him? Well, I mean, you have to trust Sean McVay and what he's doing. And if he felt John Wolford was going to, be our best chance at winning the game, then obviously that's why he started him. Um, Jared Goff probably didn't feel the the same way, and thank God he came in and helped lead us to the win. But I feel like if John Wolford stayed in the game, I feel like we could have won the the game in almost the exact same way. Jared Goff didn't do anything that said, oh, yeah, that's what Jared Goff does. Usually Jared Goff throws interceptions, but Jared Goff had a good game. (laughs) Right, but he didn't do anything. He didn't throw a ball longer than 50 yards i mean his longest was a 44 and it was a screen pass to cam Akers that broke off for what should have been three yards in a fourth down but broke off for 44 yards i mean that's not really jared goff pushing the ball down the field he's throwing like two yard out routes and screen balls to the running backs which is exactly what i saw that the packers need to look out for is not throwing it down the field they just need to be play the unders what you guys should really do is just stack the box. If you stop the run, you win the game. That's it's that simple. You you have more oper- you have more ways to win than obviously we do. I mean, if we don't run the wall, the game's over. If the Rams uh defense doesn't create turnovers and stops, we lose the game clearly. Um you guys can stop the run, win the game. And Rodgers throwing the ball over the field, win the game. Aaron Jones run the ball, win the game. Devontae Adams making plays, win the game. That's so, a I mean, great matchup, Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey. Oh, 100%. I think we will neutralize him. I mean, we neutralized DK Metcalf, too. I know he had uh, five receptions, 96 yards, and two touchdowns, but those two, <laughs> those weren't on him. Those weren't on uh, Jalen Ramsey, so you can't put blame on him for that. I mean, the three matchups that DK Metcalf – and Jalen Ramsey have played this year. Jalen Ramsey has held him to three catches for 44 yards in all three of those games. So, do you have over- I mean, Robert Tanya, uh, Valdez, Scanley, they're going to have to step up for you guys. Over under 60 yards for Devontae Adams. 
<sighs> I say just over. I'm saying over. Like you saying over, over, or are you yeah. saying he gets like 70 yards? I'm saying he puts up a, a regular performance for this year. So you're saying 120 yards, 10 right. catches, and two I'm touchdowns. 85. 85. Okay. I say under 85. 85 and a touchdown. I say under 85, he does get a touchdown now. I think he gets like, I, th- I don't think he gets as many targets as he would before because I feel like Aaron Rodgers yeah, has respect for Jalen Ramsey and what he does as a defensive player. So I don't think Devontae Adams gets as many targets. I don't think it's just that he won't look at him. I think it's he just won't be as open as he usually is against other Well, obviously that too. But, I mean, when you have Devontae Adams, sometimes you just roll the dice and you just throw those balls up even if they shouldn't be caught by him. But when you have someone on like Jalen Ramsey on you, you don't take those risks. So that's why I think he'll look elsewhere to Robert Tanya. But your screen game. A key also is your screen game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. If you can – Break off 20-yard catches after the screens, I feel like that's game over as well, too. I just feel like with Devontae and Jalen Ramsey, I'm kind of curious if they're going to add like a safety even to double-team him, even with Jalen Ramsey. It's possible, too. I mean, John Johnson, the uh, JJ3 is what we call him in the Rams team. Uh, he had a pick last week. Uh, he's probably be, He'll probably be the one probably hovering over the side of Devontae Adams for most of the game. He's our best safety. So, I mean, you got probably the top three corner in Jalen Rams, and you probably got an underrated, really underrated J.J. Three and John Johnson the third, uh, kind of spying over Devontae Adams. So I feel like that's why he won't go for his usual over 85, two touchdowns and 10 catches. Do you uh, – we'll talk about it later. Never mind. But – Move on to the Bucks football team game. Yes, uh, this was a surprising game. I feel like I, I mean, surprising in the sense that this kid Taylor Heineke came out and balled. I mean, Buccaneers did win the game 31-23 on the Sunday night football matchup. Uh, Tom Brady, 381 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty simple game for him. Uh, surprising though is that they actually got Leonard Fournette running. Uh, the football was a big reason why they won 19 carries, 93 yards at touchdown. Um, but this kid, Taylor Heineke, first or second start, first playoff game, clearly uh, 306 yards, one touchdown. Did throw a bad pick, but that's how rookies are. And obviously in the first starts, you're going to make uh, rookie mistakes. But it was surprisingly, it was only one. And it was in the second quarter. Didn't really have a huge factor, but it had six rushes as well for 46 yards and an amazing that was uh, touchdown run. That that would that was the highlight of the game even though they lost. It was a very very cool play just to see him never give up and die for the pylon. It was actually awesome. I mean and you saw the way you saw Chase Young pointing out his name on the back saying, "Yeah, this is this is the kid Taylor Heineke." Everybody was going nuts for him. I bet you if there was obviously fans in the stadium they would go and be absolutely ballistic for this kid, Taylor Heineke. They might have found, I don't want to say a franchise quarterback, because it's two games. I mean, one game he's played, he lost it. But uh, if Alex Smith doesn't return and retires, I mean, you got to be thinking, okay, we have this kid, Taylor Heineke, that can come in and play. Why, why would Alex Smith retire if he came back from all of his injuries and everything just to play half of a season and then retire? Uh, there's reports that, I mean, he, he's going to talk about, take a break for a couple weeks and talk to him about his family. If he's going to come back or retire, that usually means that he's probably going to come back, but you really never know. And I mean, if he does leave, you're not going to be completely, uh, gone and missing a hole. Cause he's got this kid, Taylor Heineke, who can actually move, uh, pretty well. I, yeah, I don't know if one game is going to tell us if he's going to start next year, but they, Alex Smith returning to me is a no-brainer. Unless he, of course, if he's trying to see his family and stuff like that, I 100% get it. But if you're going to make that amazing comeback to play half a season, not be able to play in the playoffs when you almost have a playoff team, I, I don't, I don't understand why that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a report, and it might, might not be completely true. But um, if he comes back, obviously, I feel like Alex Smith will start. But I feel like this kid Taylor Heinke. He was going to get his like business degree like a month ago, and he gets called up. 
uh, for the practice squad to be on the COVID reserve list because apparently what happened with the Broncos early, early in their year when they have no QBs in the room, they couldn't uh, sign one or couldn't get one. So Ron Rivera thought smartly and swiftly, let's get a reserve, a guy to quarantine for quarterback in case we lose the whole quarterback room uh, during the season. So then they call him up. Dwayne Haskins is obviously out. Kyle Allen's obviously not there anymore. Alex Smith's hurt, so obviously Heineke gets to start, but I feel like he he earned himself a job in the NFL this game. He literally won himself a job. I think everybody wanted to see him win this game. Oh, without a doubt. I, I was rooting for him really hard, and they had a chance. They really did have a chance late in that fourth quarter. Uh, that would have been a real tough drive for him with no timeouts that last drive, but he definitely had chances earlier in the game. Right, and hundred percent, and what was surprisingly too is that the uh, the Washington coaching staff had confidence in him. He threw the ball forty four times. It's not like he was game managing and maybe throwing twenty times like Jared Goff does every year. Uh, he was throwing the ball and throwing it down the field. Well, um, you have to give credit to him, but you also have to give credit back to the Buccaneers team and coming out with the win. It was a shaky win. Probably wasn't as big of a win as probably people hoped, especially against this kid named Taylor Heineke, but. They got it done. Tom Brady was doing Tom Brady things. They finally got the running game going. Mike Evans, six receptions, 119 yards. Chris Godwin, 79 yards, a touchdown. And Antonio Brown got himself a touchdown as well. It's weird. You look at the stats and all the yards that the Buccaneers team got, and you would think that they put up 45 points and killed the t- this team. But looking at the stats, it's very deceiving for this game because they only won by a touchdown or eight points, I guess. But you look at these stats, and it looks like they won by 20. Right, it's like a one-possession game. And to be honest with you, the Washington defense really lost them the game. I mean, I expect most people thought this would be like a 17-6 game or 20-10 to game. No, this was a 31-23 to almost type of shootout. And this Washington team didn't come away with any – uh, takeaways, and that's the difference in the game, basically. I, I more so think it's because they're used to playing defense against a number one wide receiver and nothing after that in their division. And then they come out here and they have three number one wide receivers and a number one tight end and just weapons everywhere, and they just weren't used to it. Yeah, but you have to say they played teams during the season, right? So, I mean... And it's Ron Rivera. You have to know the type of situation you're getting yourself in. And I just feel like Chase Young was basically a non-factor. Didn't even didn't even touch Tom Brady really. Um, so you he had one tackle and he had assisted on two others. I mean, Deron Payne and Montez Sweat. Uh, Payne had two sacks and Sweat had one sack. So the key to winning the game is getting pressure on Tom Brady, and they didn't do it well enough for Taylor Heineke and the team to win the game. Did you see after Brady got sacked that one time when he was yelling at his receivers? Yeah, what about it? That was, I don't know. I just think it's crazy how, like, in New England, I don't think I ever saw him do that. But he was like, I've seen it a few times this year. It's where he's just, like, screamed at his receivers for not getting open when, in my opinion, he should have got rid of the ball. He knows he can't run, and he tried to make a play out of nothing. Right. As as Tom Brady's gotten older and grouchier, that's how I guess older people get too. I don't know. Hopefully I don't get like that. But as he's gotten older, he get he cannot he hates getting hit. I mean, especially I would too if I'm forty three years old, taking hits, but if he gets like even touched, he's he absolutely goes ballistic on everybody else when yeah, he really should be getting rid of the football. And he obviously can't move, so throw it away or throw it to a check down or do something, but um, some of the times when he just gets hit, I mean, it's basically game over if you can hit Brady consistently for um, his team usually. You don't even have to hit him. You just have to make him feel uncomfortable or make him move because he can't do that well. Right. He had he had, he moved one time really well. He uh, dropped back when they were inside the 20. This was a touchdown to uh, – uh, Mike Evans or Antonio Brown, I can't remember which one, or it was Antonio Brown, but he uh, 
pressure comes in from the left side and he kind of steps in, steps up and steps over to the left and throws it across the field to the right side to Antonio Brown. So, I mean, if he has to move, he will do it, but I mean, he could, he can barely move. He's on like one leg. Oh, and just imagine if he was in the cold. Ah, I mean, that's probably why he partly left the England. I mean, he can't take it the cold anymore, but if they go to, Let's say they win this game against the Saints and they have to go to Green Bay. I mean, I think it's game over for not him, but that Bucks team because they're not used to that cold weather and being in these playoff game situations. As a Packer fan, I love that the Saints beat the Bears just because I think the Saints have the best chance of beating the Buccaneers. They did twice and blew them out during the season, and I hope that they can do it again because I think the Buccaneers are the biggest threat to the Packers. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's not the Buccaneers. I feel like it's it's honestly the the Saints. I feel like um, if the Saints were to lose and we would have to, I think, yeah, the Rams would have had to go play the Bucks. I feel like that's a better chance for us to win that game. I feel like we would have won that game against Brady just because our defensive line would have, completely gotten so much pressure on him he wouldn't know what to do so i feel like for the packers though um yeah the having having the bucks and the saints go at each other is good because it knocks one of them out and um uh, if they can get past the rams it's looking pretty good for aaron Rodgers to get to another super bowl i know this is a little off topic but did you see the uh the picture of the nfc quarterbacks compared to the afc quarterbacks and their age differences in, no, but is it isn't it like it's like insanely though because you got Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers, and you got Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh well, Allen, and Baker Mayfield. That's ridiculous. Baker Mayfield is the oldest quarterback on the AFC side at like twenty five, and uh, Jared Goff's the youngest on the NFC at twenty six. I, I mean, it's crazy. That just goes to show that the AFC hasn't been as good as the NFC for quite some time. I know Brady was from the AFC and went to the NFC, but. With all these young quarterbacks, they're all in the AFC, basically. You got Deshaun Watson as well. You got Tua in the AFC as well. So, And the Colts are going to be finding another quarterback soon once Phillip Rivers retires. I'm assuming he retired after this season. The real, it's, a, there's, it's the bright sides on the AFC side, no doubt about it. Uh, I agree with that, but I think right now the NFC is better. I honestly think the AFC side was better this year. I mean, the Rams ten and six were a shaky ten and six team. Bears at seven, or the seventh seed got in at eight and eight. Makes no sense. And then the seventh seed for the Colts is, or the seventh seed was the Colts at eleven and five, and they almost won their division. I think the AFC was just so much more competitive than the NFC this year. I feel like it was between three teams uh, to get to the Super Bowl with the Saints, Packers, and Seahawks. And obviously, the Seahawks aren't in it anymore. Okay, but if you took out the worst NFC division with which the Washington football team won. So that's it's unfair that you have to count them against them. If you took out the worst division in both conferences, I think the NFC would be towering over the AFC. Yeah, but you also look at the teams that didn't make the playoffs was the Miami Dolphins at 10 and 6, but the Chicago Bears at 8 and 8 got in and the Cardinals who were 8 and 8 uh just got out. So I feel like it the AFC was just so much better than the NFC this year. Maybe they were. You never know, but I just think that the NFC teams had more confidence going in, except for like the Chiefs and the Bills. I don't think anybody thought the Steelers were going to win it. I don't think anybody thinks the um, Browns are going to win it, the Titans, the Colts, none of them. They have two teams, but in the NFC, you can make a strong argument for the Buccaneers. People were making strong arguments for the Seahawks, the Saints, the Packers, just just ton of more teams that they had faith in to win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's more faith in them to win the Super Bowl. I feel like it's more faith in the quarterbacks. If I nobody people had faith in the Buccaneers just got the Tom Brady. That's it. Uh, um, have you seen their receiving core, their defense? Who they're up and down, man. One minute, one game, they'll have three hundred yards. I said this during the season that it's going to be this is a, this is the year the Buccaneers would get to the wild card, win a game, and then get to the divisional and get bounced out. I still stand by that. I still think the Saints are going to beat the Buccaneers. Um, it's never happened to Brady though for him to lose three straight times in a season to one team. 
but I think it'll happen this uh, weekend. But, I mean, every team in the playoffs was either 11-5 or better for the AFC side. And I just feel like top it was just more competitive, better teams overall. Um, of course, for contenders, we only think it's the Chiefs and the Bills, but I think- we're not talking about just the contenders. We're talking about the overall playoff picture in the conference of the AFC and there's more quality teams in the AFC side than I believe in the NFC. I think it's more so that the AFC has like four or five, like very, very good teams, but they don't have a lot of middle ground teams. I think a lot of them are just bad teams. Like the rest of the um, chiefs division, the Raiders and the Broncos and the chargers, none of them were very good. The rest of uh, Houston's division. They had Houston and they had Indianapolis. The other two teams, Jacksonville and Texans, are both in the top five of the draft. You can just, I think that the NFC is a lot more evened out with better teams. Yeah, but we're not talking about just the division. We're talking about who made the playoffs and who was in the picture to make the playoffs. And a Miami Dolphins team could easily have beaten some of these teams in the NFC. I agree I mean, with that. So I, I, I just feel like like the the Rams would have been the seventh seed probably and the Dolphins would have been the, the sixth seed. And I, then you can make the case that maybe the NFC has the edge on the AFC, but there's a lot of question marks with the NFC teams, question marks with the Rams, obviously question marks with the Bears, still question marks about the Seahawks who were 12-4 and four in the third seed. Nobody believes in Washington, obviously they're 7-9. There's still question so, marks about the Packers. There's question marks about the Chiefs, the Bills. There's question marks about every team. No, not 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 as not as many question marks or as many glaring holes as some of these other teams have. Like the most complete teams are Packers, Chiefs, and probably the Bills. I don't think you can count the Saints as being a complete team with struggles with Drew Brees and his age and him being not. I guess him being able to push the football down the field. Obviously, Michael Thomas will hope that that situation, but in due time, we'll know what to that extent it'll matter for the Saints. But I just feel like AFC side's better, and you think NFC side's better, but um, I guess we'll have to leave it at that. Moving on to this, this, this game was probably the most – probably didn't even want to watch this game. I mean, it was the most boring game out of all the bunch. No. Bears at the Saints. Oh, okay. I thought you were going Ravens-Titans. Bears-Saints was the worst game by far. I mean, without a doubt, it was the most boring game to watch. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen. We probably all predicted the score. Some of us could even have. Um, I thought it would be a little bit closer just because still don't trust Drew Brees. 21-9, Saints won, though. Um, Mitchell Trubisky didn't even play terrible, but he also didn't play great. 199 yards and a touchdown. That's literally all you can say. And Drew Brees, 265 yards and two touchdowns, which is, looks better than, than it really was. Trubisky's touchdown was in the last two seconds of the game with time running out. So that, right. that doesn't even count. Right. It was really 21-3. to three. I mean, that last that last play by Jimmy Graham, it was a pretty – it was an insane catch by him. And I love how he just walks off like, yeah, whatever. doesn't matter. Still got bounced out. So – I mean, it was really just an Alvin Kamara game for the Saints. 23 rushes, 99 yards, and a touchdown. That was really it. And it was it was boring to watch. It was so boring. So boring to watch. I mean, I can't believe they obviously had – I know why they did this game for the Nickelodeon thing, just because it was the most boring <laughs> game. They had to make it somewhat fun or somewhat try to make it somewhat watchable. But even with the Nickelodeon thing, it was cringy to watch. Didn't, didn't really want to watch the game. Only times I ever looked at the game was when Drew Brees and Saints were about to score. I mean, that's the only time I feel like anybody really cared about the game, unless you were a Saints or Bears fan. Did you see the thing that said, I'm sorry for the kids who were their first experience watching football was having to watch Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears? <laughs> and if somehow he wins the MVP, the Nickelodeon valuable player. Makes no sense at all. It should have been Kamara, but I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the one at Nickelodeon making the decisions. I wonder who voted. Right. I, I, it's, it's the kids who probably voted. They probably just saw Mitchell Trubisky, felt bad, and probably voted for him. And it's they the only award he'll ever win in the NFL. They felt bad for him for sure. 
Right. I mean, surprising thing was though is David Montgomery. They completely like moved away from him. Only had twelve carries for thirty-one yards in this game, which makes no sense at all. Didn't have a touchdown. Um, the drop. But the last couple games, he's getting twenty-two carries, twenty-three carries, thirty-two carries. Right. I so I they just moved away from him. I think the biggest turning point was not them going away from the running game. It was what was Wims dropping the ball. Oh yeah, drops a wide open ball in the end zone. That was a perfectly executed play by the Bears and yeah. good play call. And Mitch Trubisky threw a dime to him and just drops the ball. But that's the bear. That's the Bears being the Bears. Would that have would would that have tied it, put him ahead, or just made it closer? I don't remember. Uh, I believe it would have made it like I think they were up fourteen to three at that point, so it would have made it closer. It made it like 10-14. So I mean, it would have been closer game. It would have been interesting. It might have been actually watchable. <gasps> But unfortunately, he dropped the ball and dropped the Bears' season. That was that was such a bad game to watch. And once the Saints once the Saints scored their second touchdown and made it fourteen to three, I was like, "All right, yeah, game's over." I mean, Bears aren't getting fourteen points. You got to be kidding me! I told a friend that, and they said it's not over. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's not, it, it's pretty much over." I mean, the Bears' offense. One minute they're running the football and they look like they're a competent offense, and the next minute they just completely move away from it in the playoff game and try to let Mitchell Trubisky, who didn't have a good game but also didn't have a bad game. So, I mean, just a boring game to watch. We all expected the Saints to move on, and they did that basically. What we didn't expect, or at least I didn't, was for the Browns to beat the Steelers. Yes, we'll get, we will get to that game, but first we'll, uh, we'll get to the most intriguing matchup, I feel like, of the weekend, which was the Ravens-Titans. This was the mo- I was told you I was most excited about this game. I told you I didn't know this was the toughest game I had picking for the bracket, but I went with Ravens. You went with Ravens, too, and they won 20-13. to Lamar Jackson, we said earlier, 179 yards, didn't throw a touchdown, had a pick, but obviously running the ball, 16 rushes, 136 yards, and a touchdown. Um what are your thoughts on that Titans offense and Derrick Henry getting stopped? We kind of went over it earlier, but Derrick Henry not being able to run the ball, there's not much that the Titans can do because their defense isn't good enough to hold them to a low game with Ryan Tannehill having to throw the ball. So it was like if Derrick Henry couldn't get going, I don't think anybody expected the Titans to win. Right. I mean, the Ravens had more, more I guess, avenues for them to win and titans it basically came down to if derrick henry can run like runs for 200 yards and two touchdowns then we have a shot to win because if he did that it would have been like a 30 to 30 something game and even when he does all that they still barely win by like three points in like a 38 to 35 game i i thought it was going to be a closer game or a close game i just didn't think it was just going to be this low scoring Right, I think we both predicted that it would be up in by the thirties. I thought Derrick Henry would throw like go absolutely bananas. Like, he but I thought during late in the game that the Ravens would clamp up and get a couple stops, and that would basically be the thing that would seal the deal. But no, it was pretty interesting game. I mean, Titans came out to an early ten nothing lead in the first quarter. I'm like, here we go again. Here comes all the stuff about Lamar Jackson can't win a playoff game and. Titans were going to blow them out, but no. Uh, Baltimore came back, tied it up 10-10 and half, and basically took over from there. I vote this one as the second most boring game of the of the weekend. You thought this was the second most boring game? I thought, I thought uh, obviously the Bears one was, and then I felt like maybe possibly the Steelers-Browns one just because it was such a blowout at the beginning. Uh, didn't know. Browns won the game. They were up twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger didn't know what he was doing out there, and Browns ultimately went forty-eight to thirty-seven. It was a closer. It was the Steelers got it close. It made it interesting late. I'm or in like a little bit in the third quarter because they're like everybody thought like that monkey of blowing a lead was starting to grow on the Browns, but no, they kept scoring and. Ultimately won the game 48 to 37. Ben threw for 500 yards, four interceptions, four touchdowns. That's I feel like that sums up Ben Roethlisberger as a player. I mean, he'll make the big plays, he'll make the big throws and all that, but also make the terrible throws and the terrible plays and four touchdowns, four picks. That sounds about Ben Roethlisberger like to me. Did that fumble go against him on like the first play of the 
game? Was that a fumble on Ben, or does that go against the center? Uh, I think that goes just against the center. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger didn't get countered for the fumble, but I mean, they couldn't even run the ball, which was that's because when you get down twenty nothing, you're not running the ball. Which I guess that's the only good thing about the Steelers in that situation is that they throw the ball the whole game. That they're they can play from behind and just throw the whole time. I mean, he threw sixty eight times. That's ridiculous. That's that's how you get to five hundred yards, but. You hope you hope it doesn't come down to th- having to throw sixty eight times to come back from a twenty eight nothing lead, right? And then they tried to they only ran the ball eleven times, which makes sense for that situation. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster, he probably had his best game of his of this season. Obviously, he finally got over a hundred yards, thirteen receptions, one hundred fifty seven yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Dante Johnson finally caught the ball with probably how many targets he got to him. He probably like. Juju Smith-Schuster were targeted 19 times. Dante, Dante Johnson targeted out 16 times. Like, obviously your numbers are going to be insane when you're throwing that many times. Oh, 100%. If you're getting the ball thrown to you that many times, you better catch, a, like, more than 50% of them. Right, and for the Browns to keep the lead and maintain it and grow it, uh, Baker Mayfield played outstanding you have to you have to give it to him. Two hundred sixty three yards and three total touchdowns. So, I mean, and same with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the two people they've been leaning on this whole this whole season. Kareem Hunt, two touchdowns, forty eight yards. Nick Chubb, seventy six yards, was making plays. You have to give it to them. I expected more out of more rushing yards out of the running backs for the Browns, especially being up twenty eight to nothing. You, yeah, you'd have to maybe say why didn't they run it as as mu- as much, but I mean, it worked out. You got to give it to them. I mean, Nick Chubb had four receptions, sixty nine yards, and a touchdown. Those were all probably screen plays, so I guess you can count the. I mean, you can count those as basically running plays. And a lot of the time, they didn't have the ball though. I mean, they scored on defense so many times that it was, and it's like short yardage or short drives because they got the ball in the. Steelers, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Steelers, um, I guess, side of the ball. So, I mean, I mean, the numbers look a little weird for putting up 48 points and they didn't have as many carries or yards, but they just didn't have the ball that often. I think, I think that if they wouldn't have gotten that super fluke play at the beginning, I think that the momentum would have been shifted a lot and I think it would have been a better game. But I I think the Steelers would have won if that didn't happen. If if they if they just didn't have a complete meltdown in the first quarter. Exactly. Or no, yeah. that first drive or like the fumble on to the end zone where they recovered in the end zone. If that wouldn't have happened, I think the Steelers would have won and had momentum or just something cooking other than just being blown out twenty eight to nothing. Just to say that they didn't do that doesn't mean that they're gonna they would score or do anything. It could have just been a three and out in that drive. So but the other or the Browns also don't get seven points for having a free play. Right, but they also put up forty eight. So is seven really gonna be that big of a difference? It would have put it into a one possession game without that. Well, who who says the Steelers are throwing sixty eight times? Then who says the, the Browns are playing soft coverage on them? I I get it. I just think that it really hurt the Steelers that they would have had a much better shot at winning if that one play was not in the whole game. Right. I mean, it ignited for the the flame for the Browns to get going. I mean, this, the odds they literally overcame is ridiculous. Don't have your head coach. Offensive, starting offensive linemen's out. Uh, you're missing your offensive lineman coach. You're missing your – you're missing Odell – um, you only practice one day a week, which was Friday, and you come out here and you completely obliterate the Steelers. Basically, they should try that next week. Try that next week. Don't just don't practice till next Friday, and then uh, don't have your head coach in the in the game, and just let your special teams coordinator run the game. Basically, I think they'll need a miracle to beat the Chiefs. So try something. Right, I think they will too. I don't. Th- I think the Chiefs get a win. I think it's close in the first half, and then they blow them out in the second half. Uh, I agree. And I 
I think that sets up a Chiefs versus Ravens. I'm picking Ravens over Bills, even though I had Bills in the bracket. So it's a win-win, I guess, lose-lose for me in that situation. But uh, we'll move on to the playoffs or brackets where we got wrong. I completely got wrong about the Seahawks. I had them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, completely got that wrong. And then I had completely got wrong the Steelers. Uh, moving on. What about you, Joe? I had the Seahawks wrong. I didn't think that they were going to win the second game, I don't think. But I I don't know. The, it makes a difference because the Pittsburgh game was such a toss-up because the, the Browns haven't – practiced all week like we said it wasn't it was very hard to judge on if that the Browns were going to put up 48 points against a, a good Steelers defense so I guess I got like wrong, but I, got, I bet a lot of people got that wrong I think yeah most I was I would the way you talked about the Rams Seahawks game being a blowout for the Seahawks win I thought the same way for Steelers Browns I thought there was no way that the Browns would come out there and even win the game, let alone put up 48 points, like you said. Uh, I got the Steelers wrong, too, but I, I completely whiffed on the Seahawks. I had them going to the Super Bowl. I was this close to picking them to win it. Thank God I didn't. Otherwise, my bracket would have been completely busted, even though it's basically busted right now. But that's the NFL. There's always upsets in Wild Card Weekend, and there's upsets throughout the rest of the playoffs, too. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. And uh, But moving on to... Little, we'll talk about just a little bit of Alabama, Ohio State last night. Uh, you called it Alabama would put up 50 and blow them out. Yeah, I, it was not a game at all. I mean, in the first half, the Heisman winner had 215 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, and 12 catches, j- just to say that, too. Yeah, it's, he didn't. I don't even think the whole starting team needed to play in the second half to win. It was so bad. They could have just played play off the offense for Alabama. Could have just played the first half and then just not played the second half, and they would have won 35-24 still. I think they um, could have told them that they were going to run it up the middle every single play and still had the same effect on the game. Uh, it was ridiculous. Mac Jones, let's just start Let's just start with this. This is video game numbers. I, you, I don't even think you could replicate this in Madden or any football video game. Mac Jones, 36 36- uh, completions on 45 tries, 464 yards, five total touchdowns. Not uh, Najee Harris, 22 rushes, 76 yards or 79 yards in two touchdowns. And then their second string, Brian Robinson, never heard of him, had uh, 10 carries for 69 yards, average 6.9 per carry. Uh, and then the man, Devontae Smith, this is just his first step stats 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns, like you said. Um, and then they had Jalen Waddle, who was playing on one leg, three catches, 34 yards, but still he's playing on one leg. Did, did Devonta Smith even play in the second half? I think nope, I play. those were his stats. Did he play in the second half though? Uh, he played for one play, but didn't obviously didn't catch the ball or do anything. Okay. I turned it off after half just because of what was going on. Right. Yeah. He didn't, he, he, he hurt himself during the game. Uh, so he, they basically just called it quits and said, yeah, we, we already won that. So yeah, those were his first half stats, 12 catches, 215 yards and three touchdowns. Imagine if it was a close game, he probably could have put up like 24 catches and like almost 400 yards and like five touchdowns. Uh, I wish that Ohio state could have kept up with them just to see what they can do. Right. He's, he's literally the greatest wide rece- college wide receiver of all time. You can't even argue that. The numbers he put up is ridiculous this year. I mean, his last two games, he's gotten six touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's insane. Or, I'm sorry, last three games, he has eight touchdowns. So, yeah. I mean, ridiculous. are so long. They're so long. And this wasn't even his best receiving yardage this season it was 231 against LSU and he had three touchdowns that game on eight catches only well that's because he played a half of football right it would have been closer to 400 yards yeah this game was not much to talk about it was such a blowout Justin Fields didn't play bad but did not play anywhere near how people expected him to after the Clemson game I wouldn't say expected him to but for them to win I feel like he had to play he had to play better than how he played in Clemson against this team, and clearly he didn't play as good he did against the Clemson game. And 
it was there was like no no talk basically after that. I mean, seventeen catches or seventeen completions for thirty on thirty three attempts, only threw one hundred ninety four yards, a touchdown. I don't think this really hurts his draft stock, just because like, I mean, you're playing you're playing against probably one of the greatest offenses in college football history on the other side. Okay, but you have to understand that this definitely hurt his draft stock. The only touchdown he threw was in the third quarter when they were down by three or four touchdowns. Plus, NFL defenses are way better than Alabama's defense. So I don't I don't think that this helped him at all in any way. Well, I don't think – it obviously doesn't help him, but I don't think it's going to hurt him to the extent that you think it is just because – He's playing against Alabama. You don't understand how good of a coach Nick Saban is. By might I add, he has seven national championships now, six with Alabama, one with LSU, greatest college uh, head coach of all time now, passing up Bear Bryant, who had six before him as well. Um, you're playing against five-star recruits all over the field. I mean, yes, Ohio State is okay. on that, not exactly on that level of Alabama, but within that realm of uh, – university and football team but i mean if he it's not like he threw five interceptions and fumbled twice if you think that uh the nfl is not full of five-star recruits you think they did bad against alabama's five-star recruits now go chuck them out there against the bills or the uh, chiefs packers the saints do you think they're going to draft him they're not going to draft him to lose those games they're going to try and have him win those games and if you think that he can only do well against non-five-star recruits, then he should not even be in the NFL. First of all, half the, half the NFL is undrafted, or 70% of the NFL is undrafted. So obviously, five-star recruits, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you're. it's not like he they didn't even have the ball half the time. I mean, they, they truly didn't even have the ball, basically. They had the ball for 22 minutes. The whole game. The, I mean... He kind of did it to himself, though. If you can't move down the field and do stuff like that, you're not going to have the ball for long. Yes, it's not Alabama. him. It's that Ohio State defense and just Alabama. 37 minutes of possession time? They ran They ran up and down Ohio State and did whatever they wanted to. He had to play absolutely ridiculous. He probably had to throw eight touchdowns for them to win the game. I think one thing that also did not help him was that both of his first and second string running backs got hurt. So, obviously, they were going to play the pass more than the run. So, that would not help him as much, but still. You can't tell me that Trevor Lawrence is throwing five touchdowns against this team. I bet it would have been a better game than this. It probably would have, but they also have a better defense. Also has a better supporting cast around him. I agree. He's also played four or five more games than they have. Got more experience. Right, Trevor Lawrence literally won a national championship his first year against Alabama. So, you—that's why I'm saying it's not gonna. It's obviously clear it's not gonna help him, but I don't think it's gonna hurt him to the extent that you might think it would hurt him. This cements that I do not believe that he will go in the top five. I still think he will. I think you'll see at the combine. This combine will put it through the roof again, and people talk. They're They'll remember this game, but they'll remember the game against Clemson. They'll remember that the, that Justin Fields they saw. They'll remember the Justin Fields that got his ribs hurt, the one that stayed in the game, missed one play, and threw a touchdown the next next play he got back in. You'll see that Justin Fields. That's what the media will paint, I feel like, for him. And I feel like a team will be desperate enough to either trade up or maybe uh, teams in the top five uh, get a little aggressive and draft him. I saw a mock draft that had – an offensive lineman from Oregon going to the Jets. Do you think that they're going to want to try and get Devonta Smith instead? Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I saw some other people that were talking about this too. I mean, here's my thing about Alabama prospects is that Nick Saban, uh, he like extracts every single bit of talent out of the, his players, which is what you're supposed to do and why he's such a good coach. But I feel like once they get to the next level, that's basically where they're at and they can't get any better just because Nick Saban is that good of a coach and that good of a teacher that like he extracts every bit of uh, every bit of talent out of them at Alabama. 
But I mean, I I mean, he's the greatest college wide receiver of all time. So I mean, you have to have that discussion. And if you truly think he's going to be, uh, in all uh all pro in the NFL, then I feel like you take him. But I feel like also offensive line is just as important as a skilled receiver. Uh, the only thing is, obviously Sam Donald has nothing around him to help him. Offensive line, he needs he needs a wide receiver. Just which do you think is more important? I would say offensive line. All right. Well, then I guess I would say receiver just because I feel like he need the offensive line is good enough. Obviously, he wasn't getting sacked every play. But if he had a premier wide receiver to throw to, I think that the Jets would have won three or four games this year, which is not still a lot. I feel like you also can get proven because he's not—he's still unproven, right? He—he he hasn't come. He hasn't played a minute in the NFL. That obviously offensive lineman is not proven either. But you can get proven wide receiver talent every year in the draft. You can get it in the second round, the third round. Chase Claypool was a second round pick. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a free agent. Dante Johnson is going to be a free agent. Uh, you can or trade. You can trade for one, like Cleveland did for OBJ, and they got Jarvis Landry. So I feel like there's more pre, there's more, there's more wide receivers that are good in the NFL than there are elite uh, offensive linemen. Like this Penny Sewell from Oregon. That's the person you're talking about. He is like a generational type of offensive lineman. So I feel like when you get that type of talent, granted. There's the best college football wide receiver of all time in this draft. Um, I feel like offensive line is just a little bit more important than an all-pro wide receiver. I think that, of course, Sam Darnold's young and he can take hits, but I still think you need to protect your quarterback unless they don't uh, intend on keeping him for very long and they're trying to get rid of him. Right, that has to be an option too. Do you do you maybe trade that second pick for uh, a quarterback or do you maybe draft a quarterback? So and who's the head coach, though? We don't even know who it is. Is it Urban Meyer? Is it uh, – I know Doug Peterson just got fired. It's probably not him, but maybe it is him. Uh, I, I guess you have to start You have to start at the top and then work your way down, obviously, to see maybe they clean house. Maybe they get rid of their general manager. I, I mean, start at the top and then work your way down. If the head coach wants to go one way or the general manager wants to go one way, then I feel like you trust them and – uh, what their plan is and what their scheme is, and let them do what they want to do. All right, that's fair enough. That's a good assessment. Yep. Uh, but we know it's. I mean, it's gonna be probably one of the most exciting drafts because of all these head coaches and all these quarterbacks and greatest wide receiver of all time in the college draft, our NFL draft. So it's definitely gonna be really, really exciting. Can't all deny right. that. There's going to be a lot of things that happen that I don't think are expected this year. 100%. I feel like this is going to be a fluid draft. I feel like people are going to move up and down. Uh, what about the Patriots? I mean, Patriots, what if they move move up to draft a quarterback in the top 10? That, I, I think they would trade for someone with experience. Right. What if they trade for Matthew Stafford? Maybe they give the Lions that pick or something like that in the first round. Maybe there's thoughts. Maybe Watson wants to go to Miami. What if they trade Tua? And that the Dolphins pick that was originally Texans back to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. And then maybe they draft a quarterback and it's a quarterback competition. Maybe they don't. Maybe they draft Devontae Smith. I mean, there's so many narratives and headlines and storylines and predictions that you can make about this draft that it's really going to be one of the most exciting drafts in uh, recent history. I would love to see Deshaun Watson go to the Patriots. Patriots? I'd love to see him on the Dolphins. I feel like I feel like he could just Bill Belichick could cook up some really cool just plays for him that would no one else would think of and would not be able to stop him. Uh I guess I guess so. Um but also they don't have any weapons around him. Uh, that's also true. They would need somebody around him. At least in Miami you have Devontae Parker and you have Miles Gaskin. You have a defense. You have a you have a, a top five defense you have a brian flores who is looking like he's a a serious head coach in this league um maybe maybe he wants to play in miami instead of new england too yeah with the weather warmer right 
So I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of storylines and things looking for this off season. But finally, we'll finish off the day. Uh, we kind of already did these picks, but we'll just reiterate them again. We'll start off with uh, for the divisional round. Um, with my team versus Joe's team, Rams Packers. Who you got in score? I think the Packers will win, and I think it'll be 35-24 Packers. I, I truly believe the Rams have a real shot to win this game, but I'm going to go Packers here. I say Packers 27, Rams uh, 13. Um, moving on to the Saturday-Sunday night football game, Ravens-Bills. This one I feel like might be the best of the weekend. I am going to go Ravens here. Uh, thirty-one to twenty-eight. I'm gonna go Bills forty-two, Ravens twenty-seven. You think it's that big of a gap, and they're putting up forty-two points on this Ravens defense? Uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a very high-scoring game. Maybe not forty-two, but I think they'll get high thirties. Yeah, I mean, it also depends on the weather, too. If it's snowing in Buffalo, then scratch our scores. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Agreed. Yep. Moving over to the Sunday slates, it's Browns-Chiefs. I got Chiefs winning this one, like, like 30 to – no, like 30, 30, 34 to, like, 21. I think it'll be a lot closer than some people think. And honestly, I think it'll be – I think it'll be 27-21 Chiefs. I could see that too. I feel I, I could see it really too, but I feel like Chiefs were playing s- slow, and I feel like they're picking back up. That's the biggest margin of gap by Vegas odds. Chiefs are favored by 10. Um, moving on to the last game of the weekend, it's probably the last matchup ever between Brady and Breeze. It's Buccaneers Saints. Uh, matchup three, Saints won the previous two. What do you got, Joe? I think the Saints will win, and I think it'll be 24 – no. I think it'll be 27-20. to 27-20. Uh, this is a hard choice because you don't better bet against Brady, especially in the playoffs. You don't bet against him that he'll lose to a team three straight times in a season. It's never happened before, but I feel like it happens now. I feel like the Buccaneers just – they're a year away. I feel like Kamara and Michael Thomas carry the Saints, especially at defense as well. And I think it'll be, uh, it's, I'm going to say 26-20 Saints. I'm taking my score back, and I think that it'll still be the Saints, but I think it'll be 35-20. to 35-20. You're, you're, so you're, you're expanding the lead for the Saints. I think Kamara is going to go off. Not as much as Christmas, six touchdowns, but I think he'll have three. Three. I I I I, I want to see if if the Rams don't win. I want to see Rodgers versus Brady or Rodgers versus Breeze. I'm glad we got that matchup. Thank God the Bears didn't win. Otherwise, that would be in jeopardy. Yeah. So I mean, it, it'll be cool to see these two probably for the last time. I hope you guys all watch it. Joe, anything else before we watch these games this weekend? Go Packers. Go Packers. Go Rams. This is Rams house. Uh, that'll be probably the first one we talk about so we'll see you guys uh next week then yeah see you next week